This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, you may begin speaking now. Are you in love? Do you feel it in your stomach? Does it twist and turn and scream and burn and start to make you cry, but you like it? Don't want to let it slip away? Does it stretch into your throat until you don't know what to say? Does it hold you under its pillow in the night? It kills you with its passion and its endless beam of light? When you see yourself in the future, frail and gray, who do you want beside you when you wake to start your day? Yeah, it's extreme. I know what you're going to say. I'm being too dramatic, but this feeling feels this way. Are you in love? Do you feel it in your spine? Shaking, waking, tearing, breaking, taking a sweet time. But you want it. Yeah, you need it to breathe. You're never sure of what is pulling from its sleeve. If you said yes to all the things above, then yes, my friend, I'm sorry. It appears you're in love. This is Wetlock, my true unscripted chronicles as a prison wife. Join me on my journey as I bring you crazy stories, informative facts, updates on my husband, advice from my family and friends, and special guests giving their true life stories on the prison system. This is not your average love story. Welcome to Wetlock. Before we jump into the episode, I want to give a small disclaimer. My bonus episodes are for inmates and their families to discuss their experiences within the prison system. Who I choose to interview is taken extremely seriously. Myself and my research team work diligently to bring concrete facts that we have researched. I am not here to take sides nor judge. Everybody has a right to exercise their voice just as much as I have the right to express my opinions, both legal and personal. I do not tolerate any form of disrespect. I will not be bullied nor harassed, threatened nor condone any violent statements to intimidate or insinuate acts of violence. I do not intimidate easily. I will make you a personal project to see that you are prosecuted to the fullest extent. But after I express my appreciation to your comments. I would also like to note that I am protected by my First Amendment rights, which can be found within the Bill of Rights. If you have any concerns in regards to defamation of character, defamation laws may come into tension with freedom of speech, leading to censorship or chilling effects where publishers fear lawsuits. Article 10 of the European Convention of Human Rights permits restrictions on freedom of speech when necessary to protect the reputation or rights of others. Jurisdictions resolve this tension in different ways, in particular in determining, in determining whether the burden of proof lies when unfolded allegations are made. Though the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution was designed to protect freedom of press, 
For the most of the history of the United States, the Supreme Court neglected to apply First Amendment to libel cases involving media defendants. This left libel law based upon the traditional common law of defamation inherited from the English legal system mixed across the states. The 1964 case, New York Times versus Sullivan, dramatically altered the nature of libel law in the United States by elevating the fault element for public officials to malice. That is, public officials could win a libel suit only if they could demonstrate the publisher's knowledge that the information was false or that the information was public, I'm sorry, published with reckless disregard of whether it was false or not. Defamation law in the United States is much less plaintiff friendly than its counterparts in European and the other Commonwealth countries. A comprehensive discussion of what is and what is not libel or slander under United States law is difficult. And the definition differs between different states and is further affected by federal law. Some states codify what constitutes slander and libel together, merging the concepts into a single defamation law. Although laws vary by state, in the United States, a defamation action typically requires that a plaintiff claiming defamation prove that the defendant, one, made a false and defamatory statement concerning the plaintiff, two, shared the statement with a third party, that is somebody other than the person defamed by the statement, three, if a defamatory matter is of public concern, acted in a matter which amounted at least to negligence, on the part of the defendant for cause damages to the plaintiff. So now that we have gotten that out the way, thank you again for tuning in. This is bonus episode 11, and we are going to move this show along. Hey guys, welcome to bonus episode 11, part one. Today, I'll be sharing my interview with Matthew Baker Jr. And guys, let me just tell you, this young man is super impressive. I was very impressed. I think he is a remarkable young man. His spirit, his faith, his belief in God, even his belief in his journey that he's on right now. He feels as if it has purpose and meaning. And I was I was extremely impressed. And... It just really further confirmed for me who he is to his core and why it is that I definitely support and believe in his innocence. And I am hoping after you guys listen to the interview that you as well will believe in his innocence too and stand with me as I stand with Matthew, as I stand with his mom, and as I stand with Demita and supporting him and doing everything that we possibly can to bring this young man home. Also today, guys, I will be interviewing Christy Ganey, who is the mother of Ashley Morgan, who is presently serving time for attempted second degree murder from an incident that happened back in 2020. What I have realized on this journey is that everything is not what it seems from what you see in black and white. You have to sit down and talk to people get to know them, and get to know their story. And this is exactly why I am so humbled that I have been chosen to 
share these stories. Um, that my platform is here to share these stories. Christy reached out to me. Um, I did my research, looked up about Ashley. And when I talked to her, I just knew that, again, this is someone's story that needs to be shared. So thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. This is something totally off script, but this is now the new norm for Wetlock Chronicles podcast. On Fridays, I will talk about people's experiences within the prison system, their families, their their loved ones, their friends, um, for them to use their voices. And thank you again, guys, for tuning in. And thank you for joining me on this journey. This is bonus episode 11, part one. What would you do if your 14, 15-year-old daughter came to you in confidence and told you that someone violated her, what would you do? The Nassau County Sheriff's Office announced Friday that its detectives are looking for two persons of interest who may have information about a shooting that happened at the parking lot of a tattoo shop. The two persons of interest have been identified as Ashley Blair Morgan, 36, and John Michael Kite, 37, both of Faradina Beach. According to the sheriff's office, on Wednesday around midnight, the owner of the Freebird Tattoo in Yulee was closing his shop. When a car drove into the parking lot and five people got out, two adults, three juveniles. When When the business owner saw them, he went back into the business and grabbed a gun, NCSO said. The sheriff's office said there had been an ongoing feud with several individuals, both adults and juveniles. A man from the car got out. Both he and the owner began shooting, deputies said. As the individuals who had got out the car ran back to it, one of the juveniles was struck in the leg, NCSO said. When deputies arrived to the area, the tattoo shop owner was found on the sidewalk and had been shot in the torso and the left wrist. He told deputies he ran next door to hide at Celebration Assembly Church and then came back. NCSO said he was taken to a hospital in Jacksonville. Deputies said they also received information that a juvenile male who had been shot and possibly involved in the incident arrived at Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville. The alleged shooter in the car was dropped off at an unknown location in Faradina area and the driver took the juvenile who was shot to Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville, NSCO said. Yulee, Florida, June 9th update. The Nassau County Sheriff's Office said both persons of interest turned themselves in on Monday three days after deputies announced they were searching for them. They were interviewed by detectives and arrested. NCSO said John Michael Kite faces charges of attempted murder, possession of a weapon by a convicted felon, and child neglect. Ashley Blair Morgan also faces charges of attempted murder and child neglect. Before
before I get into my interview with Christy, um, Ashley's mom, let me set the scene for you. Ashley Morgan is the mother of Brooklyn. John Kite is Ashley Morgan's boyfriend. Brooklyn has a boyfriend named Chad. The other player in this scene is the tattoo artist by the name of Chris, who has a daughter named Gabby. From what was explained to me, Brooklyn went to her mother and expressed concerns in regards to something that she was uncomfortable with that had been take that had taken place at this tattoo shop. Brooklyn had received a tattoo in the bottom lip that says FTP. Fuck the police. This tattoo was given to her by Chris. Brooklyn at the time was 14, 15 years old. As you guys know, many of us who have tattoos or know anything about tattoos, you have to be at least 18 years old to get a tattoo. Minors are not permitted to get tattoos. If some people get tattoos that are under the age of 18, under the age of 21, they are accompanied by an adult. And that's a very big if. A lot of tattoo shops still do not tattoo minors. Within her expressing this to her mom, she also expressed that alcohol and drugs were also a part of this um, encounter. She stated to her mom that she was inappropriately touched at this time. As a mother, of course, Ashley was livid and she decided that she wanted to confront this man who is supposed to be an irresponsible adult looking after her child along with his daughter. From my understanding, this prompted um, anger and both of these girls were made to sleep in the car. Shortly after that, Ashley decided that she wanted to talk to Chris, confront Chris or what, however you want to use the words. This prompted the series of events that took place that led up to everything that has went down. In the car, there was Ashley, John, Brooklyn, Chad, and a, another person, Brianna. On the way there, there were text messages um, exchanged between Brooklyn and Gabby about the situation, about her mom and John pulling up. And when they got there, what was explained to me was that Chris went into the shop saying that he had to put his dog up, immediately came out and started firing shots towards the children. With that going on, John Kite, with nothing but reflex, decided to try and protect himself along as along with Ashley and the children and exchange fire back. 
this is how Brooklyn's boyfriend, Chad, was struck in the leg and how Chris took the five shots. This was not a okay corral situation. They didn't pull up with guns blazing and started shooting. This is not how it went down. And this is why when people reach out to me and want to tell their story, I like to do a little bit of research and I like to talk to them because what you see in black and white is totally different from what you hear when the story plays out. There is a child who goes to her mom, expresses some things that were done to her that should not have been done to her. The mother and the boyfriend decide that they are going to confront this situation as adults. But if you pull up and you're ambushed, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? So that is the scene, guys, that I have set for you. That is based on the recollection from Christy, Ashley's mother, um, which I will in part two and next week for episode um, bonus episode 12. I will also talk to Brooklyn and I will also talk to Ashley. But that's the scene, guys. And now I'm going to jump into my interview with Christy. What was your first reaction when you first heard about Brooklyn's claim of, about what had happened? Like when you first heard it, like not the day that everything went down, but like when you first heard what she said happened with her, what what was your reaction? I was just sickened, um, angry, uh, heartbroken for her innocence. You know, I, I felt all kind of emotions. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it made me, like, I don't understand why a grown man wants to go after a little girl. Like, can you not get women? Like, I don't understand that, and I never will, but it just sickens me. Yeah. Now, as a mother, um, being, you know, your mother, even though your daughter was involved but as a mother um what would your have reaction been had that would have been ashley coming to you at 15 16 years old on june the 4th what would your reaction would have been oh i would have i would have been very angry um i would have been like I honestly, I can't say what I would do. I know I've always said what I do is, I've always said if somebody hurt one of my children, I'd, you know, wear them stripes with with pride. Right. But, you know, I'm, I mean, not that that's the right, what right. Ashley's attention was, and mm-hmm. that might not be the right way to handle it. So I, I honestly don't know. I, I believe, you know, I probably would have wanted to go put my hands on him but I I just that's hard to answer because unless you're in that situation you know you don't know how you're gonna react and I, I believe you would lose your mind for a little bit yeah yeah now knowing your daughter and your granddaughter do you have any doubt in your mind that everything that they said happened happened the way it played out that day I have absolutely no doubt none at all now after everything happened um 
and you know everything's been said you know all these type of things allegations that you there's been allegations that have been said i mean you know we can't quote what was said or what was not said or who said and who didn't say but the allegations that were said um about inappropriate behavior was there anything that happened after that like were were people were police involved um were there social workers involved did anybody go make any claims or or complaints about his behavior um with you know him dealing with minors or or you know his daughter's friends i mean has anything been done about this there were okay so um because of the fact that brooklyn was at the you know within the car when the incident took place dcf which is department of children and families um, was contacted by the police. So uh, I had Ashley's children um, once she was arrested. So DCF came to my house to talk to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn shared with the DCF worker what had happened to her. And um, then there were also a couple of other girls that it happened to that the DCF worker um, also talked to. And all of these girls went to the Nassau County Sheriff's Office and spoke to a detective about, you know, the inappropriate things that had happened to them um, by this man. And an investigation what supposedly took place. Whenever um, I called the detective to find out, you know, what's going on, what happened with the uh, investigation, she told me that he denied it. He denied the allegations and that if any of the girls had any video of it happening, they would look into it further. Now, what is disturbing to me about that response is the system time and time again fails children, um, people who need help, you know, mental illness. It's like it's ignored and then when things take matters into their own you know when people take matters into their own hands then it's frowned upon but you have girls that are feeling as if they were violated they go to try to complain about it seeking some type of help you know hoping that maybe this won't happen to anybody else and nothing is done and the response that you get you want a minor who's probably terrified i can only imagine being 14 15 years old trying to figure out how am i going to record a grown man messing with me and and being scared to even do that not even knowing what will happen if this person found out i was recording them like how how are you supposed to even expect for a, a 14 or 15 year old to even be able to pull something like that off and why does that have to be the evidence you know it's 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 very concerning to me when you have witness testimony and statements that can lock people up, but you can't have enough people come forward to say, hey, this has happened to me, this has happened to me, this has happened to me, and nobody does anything. They just sit on it and just allow this person to continue this same behavior with other people. So they failed them. And anybody out there, any other girl from that day forward, 
is not protected by this person, which is going to allow him to continue to do what he's doing and feeling as if he can, because clearly he can't be stopped. And from my understanding, he also was or is a convicted felon um, who is not supposed to have a firearm. And he did not even take responsibility for that correct like he didn't even get arrested for even being a convicted felon with a firearm but john kite that is one of his charges correct and and chris in the beginning lied he made up like three or four different versions of how he even had a gun and none of them you know was his but then whenever the police found the gun and retrieved it and ran the numbers on the gun it came back registered to chris's brother mm. so you have brooklyn's boyfriend who also was shot on that day in the leg um four other witnesses to this entire altercation with the same story and yet their story wasn't good enough versus his story right and and i and um also he um admitted during deposition that he is a confidential informant mm. so he works for the cops wow well that definitely adds a twist uh, to the entire um entire story um that might be a uh, answer as to why things haven't happened the way they should happen um, right. how has this affected you and your husband's life, um, with your daughter in prison now and, and her kids? Like, how has this affected all of you guys? I'm sure you and your husband probably had thought y'all was going back into the honeymoon stage. <laughs> well, and we had actually just gotten married in February when this happened in June. So we were newlyweds. You know, wow. I mean, we're old, you know, we're older, but we had just got married. And I mean, yeah, we were you know kind of able to do what we want when we want and then we we have kids now so it, it's back to running kids to ball games and to church and to work and this and that and I mean it drastically changed our lives you know which neither one of us would have had it any other way as right. far as where the kids went but I mean and and the financial burden you know that that puts another you, you're not expecting them to take on three basically teenagers so now we've got that aspect of it and uh i mean god always provides but financially right. it's, it's hard and then you know uh ashley with her being incarcerated, incarcerated trying to hold her down and keep yeah her books yeah and the phones. i mean yeah it's a lot it, it's a lot and uh it's just you know if it was um justified it it would be one thing, but especially how unjust it is, it makes it even more frustrating. Yeah, and I, 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 I really feel you know my my heart goes out to um, John, especially because he got caught in a really sticky situation because you know being a convicted felon with a gun, um, trying to protect your 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 family. And this is what happens. You know, it's like a catch-22. Like, he's not supposed to have his firearm, but what was he supposed to do besides the right. fact of trying to protect these kids? 
Um, so his situation is just so unfortunate because really when it all boils down to it, it comes off as self-defense. But right, and see, <laughs> with the stand your ground law that Florida has, it definitely he like it, it, they were clearly within the stand your ground law because even as a felon, he has that right to protect you know anybody that is a I forget how it exactly reads, but a family member or if he's protecting someone else, he does not have to retreat and he has a right to protect them. Right. And they had a stand your ground hearing. But they denied it because John didn't retreat. He didn't have to retreat. Oh, okay. So what, okay, with with everything that you know has happened, from knowing, you know, your truth, your daughter's truth, um, your granddaughter's truth, Chad and, and John's truth, what do you want to see happen at this point? I want to see my daughter's, um, name get cleared you know her the the time that she's serving i know she's gonna you know before anything's done i'm sure she because she gets out in at christmas anyhow that's not gonna change that but getting her name cleared is very important to her and mm-hmm. it is to me and then see john not have to serve these 30 years like that's not fair for someone who didn't do anything wrong and and then ultimately I want to see Chris Benson pay for ruining all these young girls' lives that he is running. Well, as I said to you, you know, when we first initially talked, you know, I my my platform is here to help, you know, with your, with your voice, your daughter's voice, your granddaughter's voice, um, and provide a platform for you guys' story to get heard and. I know for me, when I first, you know, when you first sent me a message, I went into digging like, okay, well, let me find out what I can find out. And it's so crazy how when you read things in black and white, it only just says what the law says. You really don't know what's going on until you actually sit down and have a conversation. And when I talk to you, I promise I went straight to my mom like, oh my God, mom, let me tell you this case. And my mom was like, don't tell me no more. Like she stopped me in mid conversation. Like, please don't tell me anymore because it's just, it's so wrong. And it's so many layers of things that just went all the way left. Um, and it's, it, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't really understand how a person who's a convicted felon is not facing the same charges as someone else that's a convicted felon that is being either you know and and as as being accused as as doing the same thing so that is one of the things that i don't understand um to just deny to even check behind what these young um girls had to say that's also disturbing so you know i'm definitely going to support you know you and and ashley um and john in telling this story and um yeah, I mean, it's something definitely has to be done. Um, and I just, you know, I take my hat off to you because you're doing an awesome job. I mean, for you to have taken on her kids, freshly married, you know, 
you now you, you have this wonderful husband that, that comes into your life and now this is a part of his life so i just really commend both of you guys for really holding your daughter down and i also commend her because she also got into the law books and did some research and got one of her charges actually dropped so i'm very confident that she's gonna do everything in her power um from where she is and even when she comes home to try to uh get her name cleared and hopefully we will accomplish that hopefully that is something that we will accomplish and i just thank you so much for taking the time out to um to talk to me tonight and of course i look forward to talking to ashley and talking to brooklyn and um chad and we will we will put this story out there well i appreciate your help very very much um uh, i'm not to cry but i do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart you know what, Christy? I seem to make everybody cry. <laughs> oh my God. I'm telling you, I'm my mother. I said this to Angie, uh, Lanier, Matthew Baker's mom, the same thing. I am my mother. My mother has had this effect my whole entire life. She makes dogs pee. Like my mom walk up to animals, pet them, they pee. People talk to her, they cry. I'm like, oh my God, I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> <laughs> And now I have proof. You have just confirmed it. <laughs> but I definitely support you guys. Um, And, you know, I'm here. Like I said, you know, we text and everything. So I'm definitely here. Um, And I just want you to, you know, breathe, relax. Um, Just know that this is in God's hands. And no matter what. He will definitely work it out. You know, we, it's not going to yeah. always be on our time. It's not going to be when it wanted, when it, when we want to happen, but he will definitely work it out. Um, one thing I think we all know for sure is that karma That's <laughs> can't, right. can't deny karma. <laughs> so, That's right. you know, we can't do it, but we're, you know, we're going to stay prayed up, stay positive and um, just hope that everything comes out the way it needs to come out. And just pray that, you know, every, all, especially these young kids that were affected, definitely pray for them. Because I don't think that people really understand how that affects young girls as they move forward and get older in their life. That's a lot of damage. That is a lot yeah. of damage. So, Christy, thank you for taking this time with me. And I will definitely um, talk to you tomorrow. All right. And thank you. All right. Good night. Good night. Well, you guys, we have reached my favorite part of the episode, and that is giving you the updates on my husband. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you. Me too. My husband is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And amazing, of course. He's doing well, guys. His spirits are up. His minutes are still up, too, guys. He has been doing so good at minute management. <laughs> I am so proud of him. He tries to cut those phone calls down to five minutes, guys. But I would not let him hang up on me. That is a no-no. 
But yes, he's doing amazing. He's still in the law book, still trying to figure out some things with his case. Um, we're trying to get his uh, sentencing transcript so we can move forward with, the, with this appeal. We're having a bit of a... Um, a uh, brick wall in front of us, uh, an obstacle in front of us dealing with his um, attorney. So we're trying to figure out how to maneuver around that situation. But other than that, he's doing amazing. The past couple of days, we have had some of the craziest conversations. Um, my husband called me the other morning talking about he was just pissed off. He was mad. I'm thinking something is wrong. I'm like, oh my God, what has, what, what's happening? You know, what's going on with you? Why are you mad? And he's like, because I woke up and I wanted to be next to you. So he's still being his romantic loving self, um, still loving on me as best as he can from where he is. And he's just doing wonderful. Like he stays giving me, you know, positive affirmations, um, every day all day long you know i love you messages and we're doing wonderful we're doing wonderful we are finally getting to a place where we're kind of settled when it comes to dealing with his appeal dealing with his two points some things have developed and we're just trying to figure out what to do and um how to make all these things happen but the anxiety that my husband was experiencing seems to um be subsiding and that is just a load off of my chest oh my god because this man was gonna drive me his sister and his niece bonkers okay but we all understand so we are all trying to continue to be supportive either way it goes but he's doing great guys thank you so much for continuing to keep him in your prayers continuing to keep him uplifted it is so appreciated thank you for your prayers for me too because you know you know your girl be needing those prayers so guys thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on this journey our journey Again, this is bonus episode 11, part one. And please stay tuned for part two, guys. Of course, me and my husband, we will be in part two having our crazy conversations. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. This is bonus episode 11, part one. As you guys know, I have started a support group, Fed Up Wives, supporting wives of incarcerated federal inmates. This is a nonprofit organization set to help both emotionally and mentally, but financial as well. To contact Fed Up Wives, please email fedupwives.org at gmail.com. The contact number is 404-927-8011. Please like and join the Facebook page, Fed Up Wives Organization. You guys have supported me, and now it is time for me to support you. Now back to the show. How are you feeling mentally? Like, how how are you feeling to just be somewhere where you know you shouldn't be? Um, what does that feel like? You know, I dig, I dig deep in the word. So, you know, when I dig deep in the word and I, you know, get spiritually intact with, you know, our higher being God, you know, I read his scripture in the Bible and I just put it to my life and what I'm going through. You know, like Joseph, Joseph was sold into slavery. He was in, you know, signed to prison for something that he didn't do. And um, he, he made it to the top. 
as a king, you know what I'm saying? So I just put look at my life story and I just say, you know what, you know, that could be me too. You know what I'm saying? I could actually come on top and be a king or whatever. So I just look at my situation. How I feel about it is like, you know, I'm not supposed to be in here. I'm wasting time on my life, you know, being young. Yeah. Which I could be with my family or something yeah. like that. But at the same time, you know, it's a it's a it's a lesson, you know, that I'm learning. It's a story that I get to tell so nobody else gotta go through the same thing I'm going through right now. It's amazing to me, cause you could be so angry. Yeah. You could be so mad and so bitter, um, because of everything that's going on. And that was that was the one of the things that I kept telling your mom. I'm like, I see Job. I see you as Job. Um, everything being taken away, everything being stripped away, and you just not forsaken. You're not forsaken God whatsoever. That's what I see. Um, and then when she talks to me and she tells me like how you're always talking about pray for people who wronged you and pray for this person. I'm 44 years old, right? right. My dad, um, ex-wife, lied to get him arrested. And my dad ended up passing away um, as a prisoner. He was in the hospital, but he was a prisoner. And actually, today is the anniversary. And that's why I told your mom, I said, God just moved so weird because I didn't think about today was the day. And then I'm talking to you. And... I'm just now exploring the idea of forgiving this lady. So for you to even have that is just amazing to me because, again, I'm 44 years old and I'm I'm working on it. You know, I'm working. I'm not mad anymore. I'm not bitter anymore, but I'm working on the forgiveness part. So to me, for you to just not be angry, not be mad, still walking the word, like... That's huge. That's that's like extraordinary to me. And I just think you like a super cool dude. You're phenomenal. Um I don't know how I can help like I told your mom, but I'm going to do whatever I can. I feel like I couldn't I couldn't save my dad. I was this close. But I feel like he sent me to you. I just got one question and I wonder has anybody asked you this? Are you mad at Jacob? I really love that man, you know. I ain't know that man for about three days when all this shit happened. You know? Did you know that he had a mental illness? No, I ain't gonna say I knew he had a mental illness. Nah, no, I ain't know really much about him, but, you know, I know that he just came, got out of prison or something like that, you understand? Yeah. But I grew love for him, you know, during this time that, you know, I'm incarcerated. And, you know, you look at certain situations, you can't, you can't blame nobody for what they do. You see what I'm saying? Everybody made mistakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I look past what he did, and I, and I and I don't put the blame. Like you know, every man gotta take extra for what he did do. You see yeah. At the end of the day, but it, it, it's beyond that. It's it's beyond. It's way beyond that. If he would have never, you know, been shunned or you know. You feel like this is all like the the meeting him, the yeah, the, the meeting him, the failing of him, and just all these series of events is leading you to this place, and this place is leading you somewhere. Right, because it's like he got a mental illness since he was young. It, it, it's like his lawyers brought it up in the court. You know, since he was three years old, he had a mental illness, and yeah. he cares to you know however old he is now. And you're telling me that nobody can help him this whole time. You know, you got all these drugs out there. I don't believe in the drugs, but, you know, you got all this help out there that, you know, 
people that have therapy and stuff like that, and you telling me that you couldn't give him that help? Yeah. You know? So it's not, it's not, you know, no, I'm not mad at him. You know, I love that man, you know. Koski was at a bonfire party with the victims when prosecutors say he stole guns from the home on Moccasin Gap Road and murdered all the victims. DA Darius Patillo says Koski turned violent for no reason. I can tell you that there was no prior altercation um, concerning these victims on that day. And he's actually really going hard for you, too. Like, I've read letters um, and, and things that he said, and I know, like, he hates, you know what I'm saying, that, that anybody else got involved in this. Um, he seems to be very, very genuine and um, speaking for you and, and trying to advocate and say, you know, uh, speak of your innocence, you know what I'm saying? And and that's a bond that you guys are going, y'all going to be forever bonded behind this situation. But I think it's, I think it's amazing that he, too, is trying to take um, responsibility, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and it, the system did fail him. It really did. I mean, there's a lot of incarcerated people right now who have mental illness that shouldn't be incarcerated. So they did they did fail him. This letter is from Jacob Koski, written 6-22-2021 and sent out at 10.31 a.m. Thank you for helping Matthew Baker. When I say he's innocent, that is an understatement. He's really a victim in my case. I could tell he, him and everyone else was scared for their life that night. He had no knowledge of what I was going to do on October 27, 2016. I called him for a ride. I tricked him into coming down the street to the house. He did not give me guns. I took them from the top of the fridge. They belonged to Destiny, one of the victim's grandfather, Ray. He never even held the guns. But I thought by me pleading guilty but mentally ill, February 8, 2019, that one of the stipulations was he would get out of jail. County jail is bullshit. And they drag you and humiliate you, especially Henry County. They are beyond corrupt. I sent I sent you the thing in the mail about the judge and the public defenders reading my legal mail, not directed to them before my preliminary hearing. I can go on and on about the corruption. The material in the discovery packet is all speculations and Baker knows he's innocent. That's why I respect him and I'm willing to back him up. It takes a lot of bravery to be in his shoes because if you know Henry County, you know they are evil, racist, and corrupt. And it's a slim chance of getting out if you're innocent and even if you go to trial. I was there two years. I've seen it multiple times. I'm willing to testify on his behalf and there is no way one juror would say he's guilty if they have some type of good in them. And that's facts. Did you ever get my mail? I thank you again for helping. God knows best. And thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have any questions, just ask. Tell Matt to hold it down and keep praying. God is listening. Jacob Koski. There's a second letter. This letter is dated July 12, 2021. And it was sent out at 11.13 a.m. I'm being denied my rights and I'm about to do something 
where the nation will have all eyes on me and the DOC can't cover it up and the Henry County corruption will be exposed and someone is relying, relaying these messages for me and I got some mail on the way for you. The third letter from Jacob Kosky dated July 1st, 2021 at 8.33 a.m. I never said Matthew gave me the guns. That is a lie. I never called Matthew. He didn't have a phone. I called Brooke Knight to come pick me up because me and my sis were in danger. And that is three of the letters that was written by Jacob Kosky to Demita Bishop trying to help Matthew Baker and aiding him in proving his innocence. Situation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So y'all coming about 
that's all God, you know, put y'all in, in, in a position where you can help me, you see what I'm saying? Or yeah. You know, support me. Yeah. And so, you know, when she goes, sometimes she goes talking, you know, crazy about this and that, that. And I'm like, mom, you got to forget them folks, you know, they don't know what they do, you know, like Jesus. They didn't know what they were doing with Jesus, man. They were trying to crucify him for the wrong thing. And they don't even know what the hell they were doing for real. For so, real. Like, you know what I'm saying? We ain't going to be perfect. Mama ain't perfect. Yeah. We ain't perfect. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, let them be. Forgive them. Yeah. And, and that's just amazing. You you just dope. Like, you you just dope. I told her, I said, you make sure you tell him I can't wait to meet him. And he got a big sister now. Um, I got you. It's... it's, it's much as I can, you know what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm, and okay. I, I stick to that, you know, and I, and I, and I mean that. But I'm gonna tell you something. I heard you being there singing. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I do a little song. So you being there singing? Your mama yeah. said, "Lord, my son being there singing." I don't know about that, but he being there singing, and I heard you being there preaching. You, 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 I, you, you, you in there I, passing the word on. You, you doing your disciple thing right I do now. My part. Yeah, you're doing your disciple thing right now. So that's that's amazing. Um, and, and that was another thing I told her. I said, he reminds me of my dad. Because when my dad was there, after my dad passed away, it was so many people calling me like, you know, I never prayed before until your dad. Um, he got us together every night. We prayed. You know, it was some guys who never had a father. You know what I'm saying? It's like your dad was like a father figure. So, so much of you reminds me of him and his story and the things he went through. Um, I will say that my dad's time there, he did find God. So that means everything to me, you know. Um, you're here for a reason. I don't know what your purpose is, but it's something big. It's something life-changing. I feel that in my heart. I feel that in my spirit. Um, and I think this God got you sitting right now. He doing something with you. And I, and I told your mom, I think you know it. If they would have let me out a year ago, I would have never met you. That's right. You know, they would let me out a couple of months ago. I would have never met you. So, you know, yeah. I take that. I take that as I, I live day by day, you know. But yeah. I promise tomorrow. Yeah. Know, whatever happens today, I love it. You know, and I'm, and I'm thankful. You yeah. Know, so that's all that matters. Real, and do you know Demita go hard for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Demita's a force to be reckoned with. She goes hard for you. She has so many things. Um planned up uh she said she want to do another uh, a press release so she definitely definitely go hard for you she went she told me you was mad at her because um she said that you changed she changed the words and you was like i didn't say i was scared i said i was concerned <laughs> but that girl goes hard for you and um i'm gonna be i'm gonna listen you're not gonna get rid of me you know that right I already know that. So I'm gonna be calling you. We're gonna be talking. Um anything you wanna say to anybody out there, go for it. Whatever you wanna talk about, I'm I'm here. Okay. All right. All right. Keep your head up. I am stay strong. Nice to meet you. And I told you you forever got a big sister. So I'm gonna jump into a serious note. Because I want to give you a few definitions. First of all, I want to talk about what an accessory is. An accessory is a person who assists in but does not actually participate in the commission of a crime. The distinction between an accessory and a principal is a question of fact and degree. 
First, the principal is the one who acts or omissions accomplished by the relevant mens rea, Latin for guilty mind, are the most immediate cause act of actus res, Latin for guilty act. If two or more people are, di are directly responsible for the actus res, they can be charged as joint principles. The test to distinguish a joint principle from an accessory is whether the defendant independently contributed to causing the acts res rather than merely giving generalized and or limited help and encouragement. The U.S. jurisdictions, that is the federal government and the various state governments, have come to treat accessories before the fact directly from accessories after the fact. All U.S. jurisdictions have effectively eliminated the distinction between accessories before the fact and the principles, either by doing away with the category of accessory before the fact entirely or by providing that accessories before the fact are guilty of the same offense as principles. The model penal code definition of accomplished liability includes those who at common law were called accessories before the fact. Under the model penal code, accomplices face the same liability as principles. It, it is now possible to be convicted of an accessory before the fact, even though the principal has not been convicted or in most jurisdictions, even if the principal was acquitted at an earlier trial. However, modern U.S. jurisdictions punish accessories after the fact for a separate criminal offense distinct from the underlying crime and having a different and less severe punishment. Some states still use the term accessory after the fact. Others no longer use the term, but have comparable laws against hindering apprehension or prosecution. Obstruction of justice, tampering with evidence, harboring a felon, or like. Such crimes usually require proving. One, an intent to hinder apprehension or prosecution, and two, actual aid in the form of either harboring the criminal, providing specific means such as a disguise to invade arrest, tampering with evidence, warning the criminal of impeding arrest, or using force or deception to prevent arrest. The federal law has followed both trends. The U.S. Code effectively treats as principles those who traditionally have been considered accessories before the fact at common law. Whoever aids, abets, counsels, commands, induces, or procures the commission of an offense is punish punishable as a principle. Whoever willingly causes an act to be done which is directly performed by him or another would be an offense is punishable as a principle. However, federal law treats accessories after the fact differently from principles. Accessories after the fact face maximum of only half the fine and half the prison time as the principal faces. If the principal faces the death penalty or life imprisonment, accessories after the fact face up to 15 years in prison. Federal laws define accessories after the fact as people who commit these crimes. Whoever knowingly that an offense against the United States has been committed, receives, relieves, confronts, or assists the offender in order to hinder or prevent this 
apprehension, trial or punishment is an accessory after the fact. A stand your ground law, sometimes called line in the sand or duty to retreat law, provides that people may use deadly force when they reasonably believe it is to be necessary to defend against deadly harm, great bodily harm, kidnapping, rape, or in some jurisdictions, robbery, or some other serious crimes. Under such a law, people have no duty to retreat before using deadly force in self-defense, so as long as they are in place where they are lawfully present. The exact details vary by jurisdiction. The alternative to stand your ground is duty to retreat. In states that implement a duty to retreat, even a person who is unlawfully attacked or who is defending someone who is unlawfully attacked may not use deadly force if it is possible to instead avoid the danger with complete safety by retreating. Even duty to retreat states generally follow the castle doctrine under which people have no duty to retreat when they are attacked in their homes or in some states in their vehicles or workplaces. The Castle Doctrine and the Stand Your Ground Law provides legal defense to persons who have been charged with various use of force crimes against persons, such as murder, manslaughter, aggravated assault, and illegal discharge or banishing of weapons, as well as attempts to commit such crimes. 38 states are Stand Your Ground states, 30 by statutes providing that there is no duty to retreat from an attacker in any place in which one is lawfully present. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Puerto Rico is also a stand your ground of these at least 11 include may stand his or her ground language. Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and South Dakota. Pennsylvania limits the no duty to retreat principle in situations where the defender is resisting attack with deadly force. A person who is on probation as a felony first offender or has been convicted of a felony in Georgia or anywhere else in the United States is prohibited from receiving, possessing, or transporting any firearm. As a felon in possession of a firearm, you will face from one to five years in prison However, if your prior felony conviction involved the use or threat or physical force or violence, you will be sentenced to five years. So now I want to express my thoughts. Based on my interview and numerous conversations that I've had with Christy, in regards to Ashley Morgan and John Kite's case, there's a few things that stuck out to me. When the smoke clears and people tend to think about the characters and actions of others, how they may have been around or seen or probably just been involved in something that wasn't proper but said nothing. As time goes on, people start talking and eventually 
the bullshit does come to light. And I am saying that because not only was Ashley Morgan's daughter, Brooklyn, affected, there have been several other females that have come forward, underage females that have come forward with numerous complaints and accusations as well. I honestly believe that when people are so angry and so upset that they have tunnel vision, all they can see is what and how that person that they care about was wronged. But you have to think to yourself and you have to push the biasness away and think and say, what prompted this to actually happen? What made this mother and her boyfriend decide that they wanted to have a talk with this guy? I have not one time seen this question brought up. I have literally been on this person's social media page. And the only thing that I see is I see a lot of puff up of his ego. I have seen people calling him the white Tupac because he survived five shots. I've even seen GoFundMe pages made due to the fact of him being shot and out of work, um, saying that it has affected his job. But also I've seen posts of people giving him giving him encouragement of how he survived five shots and he's back at work. He's doing good. He's healthy. You know, I've seen a lot of comments of encouragement to him. And as a friend, as a loved one, I could definitely understand those comments. But not one time have I seen a comment of why this actually happened. What prompted this event to get to this level? And so, as I stated to Christy, eventually things are going to make sense. It just has to take some time. Also, at this point, guys, I'm going to be honest. I am terrified of ever being arrested not saying anything um asking for counsel does not mean that you're guilty it is really the smart thing to do but is it really is it really by the way these two cases are being defended i would probably take a better chance on myself or possibly elmer fudd because the way that these cases are done the way the evidence points, the way that everything just seems to be so corrupt. It's so much, so many layers of a lot of bullshit. And it's terrifying to me. It's extremely terrifying to me. I think I could, I think I would take a chance on myself rather than getting an attorney, especially a public defender. Public defenders terrify me because I do not feel like they even care about the cases. I feel like it's just something on their calendar that they need to get off the books. They go into these back rooms and they talk to these DAs and prosecutors and judges and they all come together with a solution. And it's really your neck on a chopping block. So it really concerns me. It really concerns me. Um... And which brings me to this question. Why isn't ineffective counsel or legal malpractice punishable? Like, honestly, it should be a charge. And the charge should be reckless endangerment. 
because that is exactly what it is. Now, I have a few questions that I want to leave you guys with. My first question is, how is it that Matthew is considered an accessory when he had no idea of what Jacob was about to do? How is he considered an accessory when he didn't provide the transportation, nor did he even have a phone to be contacted for the transportation? How is he not charged as just as these other three kids with obstruction, which still kind of varies to me on the definition of obstruction based on what these kids did? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you jump in my car with a gun after you've killed people or you, and I know that you're having a mental breakdown, you are totally off the rails. I am not aiding nor abetting you. I am a hostage. I am a hostage. I am afraid. So I am going to do exactly what you say to protect my life. How is that obstruction and how in the hell did the passenger become an accessory? And my biggest question in regards to Matthew Baker is the law states that accessories after the fact face maximum of only half the fine and half the prison time that the principal faces. If the principal faces the death penalty or life imprisonment, why is Matthew facing the death penalty when Jacob has been sentenced to 140, 160 years? I'm going to ask that again. Why is Matthew Baker facing the death penalty when Jacob has been sentenced to either 140 or 160 years when the law states that accessory only gets half of what the principal gets? Why is the person that did not commit the crime, why is the principal in this case getting less time than Matthew Baker. Last but not least, my next question is, why was John Kite the only one charged as a felon in possession of a firearm? The other party is a convicted felon. Why was he not allowed to use the stand your ground law? Stand your ground law in Florida. There is no duty to retreat. And so, guys, these are questions that I'm asking you. Maybe you can help me out. Why was this case not simply self-defense? Most importantly, why hasn't there been an investigation into the claims made by these underage females? Once again, the system is failing. Those are my thoughts. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you again for joining me. This is bonus episode 11, part one. Thank you guys for joining me on yet another bonus episode. I sincerely appreciate you guys to the fullest. If you would like to contact me, 
to share your story on my podcast, please email me at wedlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for being on this journey with me. Please have a blessed and wonderful weekend. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website wetlockchronicles.com.